Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Bridge Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. I was definitely a rebellious kid. Uh, in middle school and high school. In fact, I actually went to uh, a Christian school that basically thought rock music was the devil for a little while. And um, so I had to kind of clandestinely listen to a lot of classic rock, CCR, uh, Led Zeppelin, things like that for a little while. And then when I got into like high school, I started getting into hair, hair bands in the 80s and things like that. Um, and until about 1984, about the time that Born in the USA came out, um, I still listened to them quite a bit, but then I really, Born in the USA came out and that kind of started my Bruce Springsteen, um, obsession and really just, um, got me interested in, um, the catalog that preceded all of that and, and learning the story of his long hiatus and things like that. It really became interesting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me on today's episode is uh, a fellow podcaster and a big Bruce Springsteen fan, Mike Throne. Mike, welcome to the show. Jesse, thanks for having me on. It's been uh, interesting to kind of be a part of this process. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Uh, Tell us a little about yourself. All right. Well, um, uh, my name is Mike Throne. I'm the uh, actually the president and CEO of the Chillicothe Ross Chamber of Commerce in Chillicothe, Ohio. We're about an hour south of uh, Columbus, just down uh, Route 23. And um, I've actually, I'm actually was uh, born in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, um, 53. Uh, but I moved when I was really, really young, probably within my first three or four years, to Sandusky, Ohio, which was uh, up on the lake. It's where Cedar Point is, if people know where that's at. Um, and then um, uh, moved down here about 24 years ago and kind of found a, a new hometown. So it's been kind of fun to be part of Chillicothe and, and what we're doing here. Good. Well, very nice. And um, that's... That's what your podcast is about, right? Is the city? Yeah. So we, uh, my, so I started out uh, as a journalist. I moved to Chillicothe in 1997, and you know, journalists are kind of transient. We kind of go where either the, the money or the title goes. Okay. So yes. I thought I'd probably be, 
I'd probably be here three or four years or so and then move on to my next thing. Well, you know, um, the town kind of got a hold of me. I ended up getting married and having kids. And, you know, next thing you know, you're here for uh, 24 years. And I yeah. left journalism about three years ago to join that, the chamber. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. I uh, love the town. We've gone through a massive resurgence of our downtown in the last 10 years. And so it's been really great to watch all of that. And we kind of figure, um, you know, if we're going to make it something great, we might as well keep investing in the community. So that's kind of what we're doing. Oh, kind of nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I didn't mention the name of the podcast. The name of the podcast is called Feels Like Home. Yes. I'm a co-host of that with my friend Marty Ford. And yeah, we kind of focus on the interesting people and the things that are going on in and around Chillicothe. That sounds great. That sounds a lot of fun. My wife and I got married in 84. And in 86, we were looking to make a change. And, you know, we moved to Dallas and, you know, in her mind, and I had not even thought that far, you know, well, we'll be here for a few years and then, you know, we'll, we'll end up moving somewhere else. And that was 86 and we're now here and Dallas has become home or the Dallas, the Metroplex area. So, yeah, I, I understand about that. Um, you mentioned growing up in Hartford. Talk about growing up. And what kind of music did you, was your house listening to, your parents? Yeah, so my, my mom and dad were actually old country um, standards. They, they really enjoyed country music quite a bit. My dad was very big into Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. And he played around guitar quite a bit. And, uh, and so uh, uh, I grew up listening to Chris Christopherson albums and Willie Nelson albums and um, my dad really, or my mom really liked Charlie Pride a lot too. And so that's kind of what I grew up on. There was some influence of some soul in there, some, uh, Al, uh, Al Green, uh, some, um, Sam Cooke. I remember very vividly the first time I ever heard, uh, a change is going to come. I was sitting, listen, I was uh, probably four or five years old, maybe. And I was listening to it on a record player as my mom played it next to me and, um, I remember even at a young age just thinking that it was really great music. And so I, I grew up with kind of an eclectic mix of different, um, you know, different musics around me a lot. Um, I had didn't lived out in the country, so I didn't have a lot of friends that lived around me. So I would go to somebody's house and they would maybe be listening to you know, 70s rock or something like that. And so I got influenced by that a little bit, too. So it was kind of a, an interesting mix of different music that I, I kind of grew up on. Well, this joke I make, Mike, is that um, I'm a little bit younger than you. I was born in 59. Uh, my, my dad uh, was originally from Tennessee, but then moved to Hawaii, um, Ohio. And then my mom grew up in Louisiana, and that's where they met when he was stationed at Fort Polk. And, um, you know, and growing up in our house, we listened to both kinds of music, country and Western, to use the joke from the Blues Brothers, yeah. you know, because the same thing, Charlie Pride, Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, a big player in our house. In fact, there are times, um, not so much now, but um, early in our relationship, my wife would go, you know, there'd be a song on and she's like, how the hell do you know that song? I'm like, oh, because my parents played it. So, yeah, uh, that's that's funny. In fact, I, I've said this story multiple times. Um, my cousins in Ohio couldn't believe when I was like nine or ten, 
I couldn't name all four Beatles. I was like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I could probably name you who's on the Tennessee three, you know, but, you know, yeah. but yeah, exactly. Um, so I neglected as, to mention Johnny Cash. That was on a pretty re- repetitive basis in my house too. My dad had all the LPs of Johnny Cash. So yeah. I, at, at one point in time, I probably could have quoted for you every Chris Christopherson album and when you've had to flip it over and yes. uh and what songs were on the a side and the b side but uh my yeah. memory doesn't serve me well enough to do that anymore. well yeah and i think about that and i also just think of the great you know sunday morning coming down and how chris christopherson wrote that and then johnny cash did it and you know it kind of became johnny's song uh but you know the idea of what Chris Christopherson has written and done is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so you're getting in high school and you're, you're visiting friends. Um, you know, what did you, did you rebel from country music from your parents or did you just expand your listening? Yeah. That sounds Uh, great. Yeah. So I was definitely, I was definitely a rebellious kid. Uh, in middle school and high school. In fact, I actually went to uh, a Christian school that basically thought rock music was the devil for a little while. And um, so I had to kind of clandestinely listen to a lot of classic rock, CCR, uh, Led Zeppelin, things like that for a little while. And then when I got into like high school, I started getting into hair, hair bands in the 80s and things like that. Um, and until about 1984, about the time that Born in the USA came out, um, I still listened to them quite a bit, but then I really, Born in the USA came out and that kind of started my Bruce Springsteen, um, obsession and really just, um, got me interested in, um, the catalog that preceded all of that and, and learning the story of his long hiatus and things like that. It really became interesting to me. Yeah, so, um, you know, there are um, the Gateway album, you know, to use Gateway Drugs, was born in the USA for a lot of people. Um, Can you articulate what about his music spoke to you? Yeah, so 1984, I think I was uh, 15, 16 years old. Um, I had a friend named Charlie Damron. And um, Charlie had a massive boom box that he would bring to everything we would do. If we played a pickup football game, he would bring, you know, the, the, the boom box and we'd listen to music. If we played baseball or basketball or we're just hanging around at, at somebody's house, he'd bring the boom box. And I, me- I remember it very vividly. We were playing wiffle ball in my buddy's backyard and he brought his boom box over and popped in born the USA. And I just heard those, pounding drums of the intro of born in the usa and i thought wow this is different and then i listened we listened to the whole a side and i think after the whole a side of the cassette i was hooked um i wanted to learn more i actually ended up borrowing it from him that day and listening to it two or three times through went and got my own copy and you know i think for me um i was blown away by the lyrics and just how full the sound was to me it was like you know I had liked bands like the Stones. I had liked, um, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, but it felt like this was a band that had a fuller sound and a full, like everybody worked together in the right. band, you know, from the sax to the drums to 
you know, uh, to the piano and then, of course, guitar, like everybody was just such, so in sync. And, you know, to look back on it and to hear even back, you know, a couple of years after I started liking the album, um, that a lot of it was done in one take. It's yeah. just amazing to me, you know. And so um, it, to me, it, it just was a, I, I would sit down and take the liner notes out of that little cassette case and flip through them and just sit there and read the lyrics over and over again. It just became, I, I've always really liked music that had great lyrics that had meaning and depth in them. And so I think that's really what kind of started me uh, down the path. When, when I went back and listened to The River and you know, my favorite album, which is Darkness on the Edge of Town, um, and reading those lyrics and hearing this dark, you know, music in a lot of those albums just really spoke to me. Yeah, um, that's great. Um, so it sounds like you did a lot of, you know, after Born in the USA, went and explored back catalogs. Yeah, you know, I didn't get into the first two albums very much, Greetings and then Wild, Innocent, and the Street Shuffle. I, I really... For whatever reason, I didn't gravitate toward those, but I did gravitate toward Borderon, of course, the river, and then I kind of picked up um, darkness a little bit later. Um, but I remember the first time I ever heard darkness, I just was blown away. I, to me, it almost didn't sound like the same guy that did Born in the USA. But you know, once you kind of get into the catalog, you kind of see how people, artists change, bands change, things like that. I really, really enjoyed. Um, you know, just kind of discovering this guy for, you know, for the first time I had heard Hungry Heart on the radio. Um, I had heard Born in the USA before the album came out. It was being played a lot. Um, but for some reason, boy, it was just a completely different feel. Once I started digging into those back catalogs, I had heard Born to Run, but it never really equated to me with learning the whole catalog. And that's when, you know, the more I listened, the more I was in deep and, you know, back then you could get singles um, that were, you know, the small records. Um, and on the flip side, there was usually a song that was not on the album. And so yeah, I would try to buy all of those as well, just to, so I could hear these songs that, you know, only a few people were going to get to hear. You know? So, so Mike, I always like to preface this question with, you know, a caveat that the amount of times you've seen Bruce, perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are there are people that have been on this podcast that have never seen him i had a couple mm -hmm. people that got to see him this past summer on broadway and that was their first show ever because they're such young fans and then there's people that found him early in the 70s and live in jersey or new york or philly and have seen him a couple hundred times so for the record do you count how many times you've seen him and if you are how many i do um so the next time that i see bruce and there will be a next time good uh it will be number 15 nice very nice. Yeah, I am convinced. Um, I think he is itching to perform. I think he is itching to have another tour. I don't think this will be the last tour they do. Um, things may change. I, I think they are have gotten a second wind, so to speak, you know, after this pandemic. I think they, you know, it, it was interesting. They were interviewing Jason Isbell. And he said that financially, him and his wife, Amanda, were doing fine, but 
not having that ability to perform for someone was really starting to wear him thin. So I can imagine. Um, what was your first show? So my first show was uh, July 8th, 1985. It was the uh, Municipal Stadium uh, stop in Cleveland, Ohio of, of the Born in the USA tour. Um, I actually was a, I was going to be, I was a rising senior, I guess is what they call it now. It was okay. right before my senior year of high school. Uh, Born in the USA had come out earlier, uh, come, come out a year earlier. And um, I didn't, you know, I'd gone to see a bunch of concerts in that time frame because, uh, you know, as a young kid, I really liked enjoying uh, live music. Um, but I basically put every other show that I was possibly going to go on knowing that maybe the, the stadium tour was going to be a little pricey uh, and literally sat probably in what would probably be called the worst seat for in the worst stadium for a stadium tour in the whole world. If you knew anything about the old municipal stadium, it was a cavernous stadium that seated about 90,000. And, um, you know, a lot of places say that there's no bad seats in the house. Um, there were a lot of bad seats in that house. And I think I found one of them. I think I was behind a, uh, I remember very vividly being behind a big girder that if I craned around enough, I could probably see down just to see the dots on the stage, but just being in the room yeah, and that's being funny. in the place yeah. was enough for me. So, yeah. So, uh, do you have, um, other stories from live shows that you'd want to share? <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell you, one of my favorite things is um, I love pe taking people to see Bruce for their first time. Yes. Um, uh, taking my wife to see it, uh, to see Bruce for the first time. I've seen uh, many of my best friends have gone with me. Uh, for a while there, I would talk about it so much at work when I was working at the newspaper here in town that people were like, you know what, if you ever go, let me know and I'll go with you. So I remember the first time I took two people with me, we drove all the way to Cleveland and back in the same night, which is about three hours from here, about three hours and 20 minutes or so. Um, the next, uh, the last time that I went, it was two other coworkers with me, my best friend and my wife. Um, and then um, my pastor of my church, uh, he pastors a Wesleyan church here in town. He texts me every once in a while about uh, with questions about Bruce albums and and songs and so on and we recently i was talking about the new album with him and he hadn't heard it yet and he said i'm listen i'm serious about this if bruce tours again you got to make sure you remember me so we can go and i said well that is a promise that i will keep for sure so that's one of my favorite things i you know i think the two the two shows that i think really stand out to me uh, that i've seen um i went to the first of the two tom joad shows in Cleveland, which were at uh, the music hall there. Mm -hmm. And just having him stripped down in that environment, it was the first of two nights. And of course, Youngstown was a, a song that was big on that album. And of course, being very close to there, um, it, was a, it was a really big deal to be there in that, that theater. It was actually a, a coworker of mine went with me to that show, who I've ended up going to three shows with now total. Um, and so that was a really big one um, that I really, really enjoyed. And then, um, the other one, uh, I went to see Bruce on the Wrecking Ball tour at Quicken Loans Arena. I think it was in April of 17, maybe. That would have been 12. So, uh, and I went with um, my friend Charlie, who I told you got me into him, and his sister 
she had some friends of hers from their group in high school, which was a couple years ahead of me. And uh, his sister, her name is Shannon. She's the biggest Bruce fan I know. Bar okay. none. And um, she lost her son to a tragic accident the year before. Oh, wow. And was still feeling a lot of those effects. And it's the only time I've ever been in the pit at a Bruce show. And just being around her and her group of friends that were also in that pit, it was just, you know, it was also the the shows after Clarence and Danny had passed. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just felt like, you know, in that moment, um, it was just a, a perfect environment, you know, and uh, just enjoying that that night with my friends was was really cool. That was also in Cleveland. So I had to drive three hours to that show, too. But I can tell you, I wasn't tired when I came home. I was still flying high, you know. Um, yeah, and, and I believe, um, I'm double checking, but... Um, I think that would have been 15, I thought. Yeah, um, Quicken Loans in the 12th, April 17th, 2012. And the reason yeah. why is, um, you know, he was doing the wrecking ball and he wasn't coming anywhere close to Dallas. Um, and so my wife and I have been wanting to take a vacation together. We had not done one, you know, we either with another couple or with the kid and we were just wanting to do something solo. And we were debating on like renting a cabin somewhere. And so I called her and I said, I've got a plan. She's like, okay, what's the plan? I said, um, Bruce Springsteen is playing in Cleveland in April. I said, so we can leave here, stop in Kentucky. And my father had died in 2011 and he's buried at the veteran cemetery right out of sight of Fort Knox, Kentucky. I said, so we can go see his stone. We had not seen his stone yet. I said, we'll do a couple of stages of the Kentucky bourbon trail because when my, we had gone and buried my father, she had picked up that brochure and said, oh, this looks like it would be fun sometime. I said, we'll see Charles in Columbus. We'll see Tom in Cleveland. We'll see Bruce in Cleveland. We'll go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll come back. We'll finish the Kentucky Bourbon Trail and then come home. She's like, okay, sounds perfect. And so that's what we did. Uh, and um, so it was, you know, we, we, we had... Um, we had, you know, we ended up eating at Melt there in Cleveland, which is the gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches and had a great time. And that was a fun show. It was a really good show, um, you know, and he he talked a little bit about night, light of day. Right. And how the connection to Cleveland. So, yeah, a really, really great show. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many newbies have you brought over the years, Mike? Boy, you know, I, I'm trying to think, um, I've probably taken a dozen or so, uh, for their first, um, Bruce Springsteen show. Um, you know, God willing, and, and he's still playing and, and, uh, you know, I'll take my kids. Uh, yeah. I've got five kids um, yeah. ranging in age from 21 to, to five. And, um, I'd like to take all of them for their first show and, you know, yeah. The thing about it is every time I think Bruce is probably not going to go on the road anymore, you know, he's 
he's in his 70s and i mean you know every time i think he's not going to do it he starts telling people that you know especially during this pandemic i can't wait to get back out on the road again and we will see yeah. you soon and and i start i start getting jazzed you know sure so talk to me what's your thoughts on western stars and letter to you so I, I am a big fan of Western Stars. Um, it is, it is kind of harkening back to my Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson days. Um, I, and, uh, you know, when the, uh, the, the film came out and he covers Rhinestone Cowboy at the end, I remember my dad walking around singing Rhinestone Cowboy from the time it came out. And he passed uh, last December. I mean, I, I remember him well into his late 70s walking around his house singing that song. So, um, you know, I, I'll always have an affinity for, for Western stars that um, maybe other people can't appreciate. But uh, and then I, I tell you what I love about Letter to You. I feel like it's just a, it's such an in, inherently personal album for Bruce. Yes. That it it just shines through. And having watched both of the both of those albums, there's obviously Apple TV films related to them and watching that um it just it just speaks to how much bruce looks at music as a personal journey yes and i and i I can just really understand that relate to that and i think that um that's what i really enjoy about uh, those two albums you know when letter letter to you came out i thought well this is a pretty good song I, i wonder what the rest of the album will be like and there are there are album when i first listened to it all the way through i thought well, you know, there's a couple of things on there maybe i'm not feeling those songs but the more that i listened to it um the more i really i really enjoyed it uh, you know I, I really think that you know if you're if you're a true bruce fan you know maybe you're a mark and you, and you can't say no to anything he ever does but i feel like there's a lot of people out there who are kind of like me that you'll admit when you don't like something um, and, but you'll, you'll be really, um, you'll be really, uh, honest about when, when you really feel like he's really hit a home run. I think w- when the rising came out, everybody recognized that as a masterpiece and it may take a few years for people to understand the, the, the greatness of doing Western stars, you know, when you're, you know, you're known for doing rock exclusively. Um, and maybe letter to you is going to feel the same way, you know? Yeah, you know, Mike, um, I did not mention, as you forgot to mention Johnny Cash, I did not mention how much my love, my my mom loved Glenn Campbell, right? So this, I'm like you, that Western Stars, you know, had that Jimmy Webb, Glenn Campbell feel. And um, so I love the album to begin with. And then when I saw the film, um, it, it cemented it because, you know, I had, before I had heard there was going to be a film I had talked about on the podcast, you know, I just, these songs sound so good, you know, I, and I know he can't tour with, you know, a, a, an orchestra, but gosh, that would be so cool to see, yeah, you know? And yeah. then when they filmed it and, you know, that beautiful barn and, you know, uh, one thing I've told this story multiple times, but, you know, my wife leans over to me during the film and she's like, you're really jealous of those people in the barn, aren't you? And I go, damn straight, I'm really jealous of them. Uh, and then yeah. when I saw that they got a credit, you know, at the end, he thanked them. I'm like, damn it. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just, I loved it. And then, yeah. yeah, One of my favorite songs on Western Star is Somewhere North of Nashville. Yeah. Um, 
And, and it, I think the reason why is because it's such a, um, it, it's such a classically Bruce song that tells this great story. You yes. Know? And um, the other thing that I like about Letter to You is I feel like there are elements of that album that you could plug into just about any album in Bruce's catalog and it would fit perfectly. You know, Janie Needs the Shooter could fit perfectly on Darkness. It could fit, you know, perfectly on just about any other thing. And there's a bunch of songs on there that feel that same way. And, you know, this one could go on The Rising. This one could go yeah. on, you know, uh, Living on a Dream and, you know, so, uh, or Working on a Dream. So, like, I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of, a lot of different things that I think are great about that album. You know, the, you've no one ever else has no one has brought that up before, but I'm thinking like I'll see you in my dreams would have been perfect to end the rising. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's it's really really well done, and I've I've been very vocal before we knew there was going to be an album. Um, you know, 2020 had been such a horrible year. Um, not that 2021 has been a, a banner year altogether for us, but, you know, I had said that if we got a new president in November and a Springsteen album before the end of the year, maybe 2020 would not be the worst year ever. And so then when we got that, I was just so happy. Um, and I do, I do think that when they hit the road next year, knock on wood, I believe that they will, I'm, I'm hoping he does a lot of the same thing like he did during the Wrecking Ball Tour, the Rising Tour, where he has six or eight of these songs from either Letter to or Western Stars mixed in with all the other stuff that everyone wants to hear. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I would be, you know, and I, you know, when you get to be an artist of his acclaim and of his, of his catalog volume, yeah. It's just hard to make everybody happy. Right? Yes. Like I've never heard Jungle Land live. Of 14 shows I've gone to, never heard live. Yeah. And I also didn't realize that till I sat down and started looking at the set list. Right. And, you know, it wouldn't be the same, I think, without Clarence. Man, right. Dick's so good. Yes. But at the same time, like that's a song that I want to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I I didn't get a chance to see the Seeger sessions live. I would love to hear some of those songs uh, yeah. played and some of those things too. But what do you take out to get those in? You're already playing three, four hours to begin yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, it's hard to kind of kind of base it after a certain time. Yeah, and um, you know, I I had the experience where the first seven times I saw him, I had not heard Thunder Road. It just, it worked out. My first show was in 2002. Now I've heard the rising every time I've seen him live. I, he, that's the one song that uh, I have seen every show. Um, And the, and then the next eight shows I saw Thunder Road every time. Right. So (laughs) it it works out. Um, Well, let's go back to, are there, you mentioned darkness being your favorite are, are there why why does it speak to you so much why is that an album you go back to over and over again mike um well and, and here here's my mania for this album so a couple of years ago a buddy of mine is at a yard sale here in town and he sees a copy it's an album it's, it could be 
a repress or anything. It's the Darkness on the Edge of Town album. And he sends me a picture of it. And I was like, hey, that's a pretty good find. How much for it? He said, the guy only wants five bucks for it. So I just told him to buy it. I don't even own a record player. Right. Okay? But I, want, I had to have it. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, I, I think pound for pound, top to bottom, for me, every song just hits on that album for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I remember hearing the, the first drum beat of Badlands and thinking that it was unlike anything that I had ever heard, you know. Um, and this was after I had listened to Born in the USA. I'd listened to Born, uh, I'd probably even listened to The River before I'd listened to, to Darkness. Um, you know, the cover art on the album is iconic. Bruce in front of a closet door or um, um, uh, shades, a shaded yeah. window. Um, you know, I mean, um, and then, you know, by the time you get to the, the hi-hat start of Candy's Room, I'm all in. You know, I, I, I'm feeling I, I'm going to listen to I, I could probably listen to two or three songs and then maybe move on to something else. But then I get to Candy's Room and now I'm I'm listening to the whole album. And it happens to me almost every time. The title track is the last song on the album, which that usually does not happen. But by the time you get there, you're almost like, oh, yeah, this, this is the name of the, of the, of the album. And, but I've heard so many other songs in, that, you know, in the nine others that preceded it that I really, really enjoyed. Streets of Fire is probably my favorite song on the album. That's another song he doesn't play a lot. Um, but, you know, um, and it, there's, it runs the whole gamut. For, so for, for me, it's just, a, it's a little more stark. It's definitely not as produced as the albums that will come after it. Right. Um, but it's just, it's just a, it's a one that I can put on and listen to every day and probably never get tired of it. Are there other albums that, uh, while not up to darkness, that hold a special place for you in your heart? Nebraska a lot. I think again that stark, just acoustic format um, for me um, is a really enjoyable uh, thing. So Tunnel of Love is always going to kind of be an interest, an interesting album that I've I've kind of vacillated on it every once in a while. Um, it might be because that was the first show that I took a girlfriend to, and my uh, romance with her probably ended the same way that Bruce's with Julianne Phillips did. Yes. So. Um, Maybe I got some bittersweet moments in there. That I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look through on my own. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's an enjoyable album. I know a lot of real dedicated Bruce fans would rather uh, forget the Human Touch and Lucky Town years, but there's some real gems in there that I really enjoy. I, I and I, I love the fact that Sam Moore is is on it. It's really yes. the first time we kind of hear Sam playing with him regularly. Yeah, and so I. I I think that that's always going to have a special place in my heart. Yeah. Uh, Better Days is one of my favorite songs. Um, it just, it, yep. it, it's in my top five. Um, it means a lot to me. Um, okay. So we know you're chasing Jungle Land. What are uh, a few other songs that you're, that's on your bingo card of things you want to see? So it's not exactly a, um, it's definitely not one you're probably going to hear a whole lot, but I would actually love to hear the wrestler live. 
love to see how he pulls that song off. Um, to me, it's a it's not exactly the most upbeat and uplifting song in the whole world. Um, so I think, you know, that's one that I, I would say is definitely on my rare, rare song list that I, I've not heard, but I would really like to, to hear. Um, um, you know, I've not, I've not heard, uh, it's a B side, but stand on it is a, is a song that I really, really like. Uh, I remember playing that on the 45 over and over and over again when it came out. Um, uh, those are a couple of the ones. Secret Garden is another one that I really enjoy. I think it's really good. He's played that one a few more times. I've kind of always missed out on that one. Um, so those those kind of come to mind as ones that I've missed out on that maybe, you know, again, as the catalog gets bigger, it's probably unlikely unless you, you know, you, you hold that sign up, that magic sign at a show. Yes, and yeah. To play the song, you know? Right. So. Uh, I know that the the album shows he did you know checked off a lot of things like when he did the river in full in yeah. 2016 a lot of people like yes and then um other songs um yeah i those are those are good choices those are very good choices um so what haven't i asked you that i should have asked you mike um you know, for a little while there, I tried to become a, um, a a Bruce memorabilia person. I actually have a very large. It's in the closet over there. I'm getting ready to move, and yeah, I have this large. Uh, it was obviously a promotional item when Born to Run came out. It is essentially a recreation of the massive, the massive record. It doesn't yeah. play, of course. Um, and so I have that. I have a few other little pieces here and there that I've kind of saved over time. Um, I kind of gave it up mainly because it was difficult. It probably is a lot easier to find it now, but you know yeah. how it is. It, if the market for something is really, really good and the cost is really high, and so yeah. you have to balance those things out a little bit. But um, you know, there's there's a part of me that says maybe I should have stuck with that and uh, and not pursued other hobbies. And but, well, you know, those times are, are past. Yeah. I think sometimes. Well, and I always have to counter with if it's in a closet somewhere or if it's in a drawer, I'm not enjoying it. So, you know, like you can, you know, you can see behind me, you know, I've got three posters from the river tour. I've got some acrylic art, you know, I, I have it. And so luckily my lovely bride lets me, you know, here's my Bruce Springsteen sneakers, but you know, she lets me because I podcast here in the front room. She lets it, be a little brucey uh but you know if if you aren't going to enjoy it you know and like after a while though i have seen people that um you know like a lot of people when you're climbing the steps to go upstairs you know there'll be a wall of family photos i've seen people that install springsteen you know just it's it's there so that's that's good um when you worked at in the paper, did you ever um, get to sneak in Springsteen quotes or Springsteen references in the articles? Yeah, I, you know, um, I wouldn't say I was like prolific at it or anything, but it, you know, it, the moment fit. I was actually an editorial writer for quite a while, and there would be times that I would, you know, um, sneak in a little reference here and there. Um, I don't. One that comes to mind is uh, I think I covered a football game one time and. 
I kind of dropped a born to run reference in there, but, uh, and somebody called me out on it uh, that worked in the newsroom after the fact, but, um, you know, it was, it was one of those deals where I felt like it was appropriate and yeah, I probably skewed it a little bit because of my fandom, but at the same time it was, you know, part of the story. So I didn't, I didn't tend to worry about it too much. That's not too bad. Did you, uh, were you able to do concert reviews? When you're, yeah, I did a few. Yeah. I did a few. I never did anything real big, um, and I never tried to test my luck, you know, in Columbus or Cleveland or anything like that. Yeah, um, you know, I also, you know, I, I go to concerts. I go to live music. Of course, before the pandemic, I went sure. to a lot of shows. Um, in fact, I just went to my first show a couple weeks ago. Since uh, I went to one in October of 2019. And then my most recent show was in September of 2021. So almost. What did you go see? I uh, just went and saw Need to Breathe a couple of weeks ago, okay. which was tremendous. They were they were amazing. Nice. Uh, my last one before that was the Black Keys. Okay. Um, and um, you know, I kind of do I kind of do that for enjoyment and for relax, you know, so, to yeah. relax. And so combining the two just felt like. I wasn't a music critic, so to me, it no, was that like, makes sense. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is great. This is great. I appreciate it. Um, let's let's if you're listening to this and you're a fan of Mike's, um, you know, maybe you're like, hey, I've heard him talk, you know, Civic Pride on you know, feels pod. So maybe let me hear him talk about a little music. So if you are uh, listening to this podcast because you're a fan of Mike's, thank you for listening. Um, I end every podcast with the Mary question. And so um, what this is, is Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired, um, would spend two days of his school curriculum, his honors English class, the senior class, would break apart Thunder Road as a poem. They would go through the lyrics, they would talk about the imagery, they would talk about compared to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the two days, he asked this class, Does Mary get in the car? So, Mike, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? All right. So, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, I mean, he makes a really great case for her to do it, right? Yes, he does. I mean, you get to the porch, they're gone. It's a town full of losers. And the only way out is to leave and to leave with him, right? She sent other boys away in theory because he's coming back together. Right. So she almost has to get in, right? So I think she gets in. She has to get in okay. because she's waited for all of this to happen. So yeah. Mary gets in. There's no question in my mind. Very nice. Uh, I don't know if you've, um, you know, I, I ask that question every episode and uh, because you love Western stars so much, um, I had someone say that absolutely she gets in the car. They drive to the West and Moonlight Motel is him mourning Mary's death. Yeah. So, I didn't hear that one. And, and that's, a, that's a compelling argument. Uh, it is. And, a, and almost a fitting closure. It know? is, yes. It does kind of bookend that really well done. Very nice, sir. Um, any final thoughts you want to share with me or my audience? Well, I mean, I, number one, I, you know, I just kind of stumbled upon your podcast and, and what I'm doing. I, I'm a, 
you know, as, as a trained journalist, I love stories. I love, I love storytelling. And so I love what you're doing with this and letting people tell their stories. And of course, we're all just part of this big fan culture here around Bruce. And so I just I keep doing what you're doing because it's working. I, I feel like you um, have captured something with this podcast that, um, you know, when I go to shows, I see people that are in their 60s and their 70s sitting in the shows next to the people that are in their teens and 20s. And to me, there's just a, a you know, the, the, the field is green for this podcast. So, yeah, um, thank you. I'm, I'm, just in, I'm enjoying it. I, I have the luxury of being able to go back and listen to a bunch of them now. And so that, that's that been kind of fun. In fact, I'm, I'm taking a trip tomorrow. And I plan on listening. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the work that you're doing. I'm really appreciative of the fact that, at, you know, 70 plus Bruce is still out there making great music and yeah. promising to get back out there and, and be with fans again. I'm hopeful that 2022 will bring some of that for all of us. Knocking on wood. I'm right there with you. Thank you. I, um, I love doing the podcast and I, you know, people will ask me, what is the podcast? And I'll say, you know, it, it really is about the power and the magic of rock and roll. I said, but on a practical, I, I want you to feel like you're in the queue waiting to get in the pit and you're overhearing a couple people talk about Bruce. You know, yeah. that's, that's what I'm hoping to capture. And, yeah. uh, you know, so people will share their stories and, and I, I, so I appreciate the kind words. It is truly something I love doing. So, and thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? So I'm on Twitter. I'm at, at Miggy T, M-I-G-G-Y-T. Uh, I also have my podcast on Twitter, which is at Feels Pod. It's the Feels Like Home podcast. We're on Buzzsprout. Uh, if you want to look us up there. Um, and then uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, if you go to uh, facebook.com slash Chili, T-H-I-L-L-I, Chamber Prez with a Z. Okay. You'll find me there as well. So. Very nice. Well, Mike, this was joy. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully we can meet at a show sometime. And we can share a hug and, and talk some more in person. And I just appreciate all the support. Um, listeners, you go get vaccinated. Go, let's be good to each other. Let's wear our masks. Let's wash our hands. Let's remember to be diligent. And let's be good to each other. Because really, that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, 
and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.